We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. back it's season two of solo ship uh damn we got we got renewed for season two yeah uh, we made it big time now yeah so uh, i'm squirrel patrol jam to win from one week season uh how was your off season man off season was great this um you know i sent my wife and kids out of town a week and a half ago for the lead up to the season uh, they went to the in-laws i've been working around the clock so uh yeah today at like 5 p.m. I'm like done with work and fully focus on on rosters till Sunday. So yeah, I've made it through. I've made it through the crazy lead up to the season and and ready to get going. Yeah, I just, you know, I got so much content <laughs> this this year and yeah, just finished the last article like last night and god, it felt good. And then I realized like, oh, I've got a Sunday night showdown article. <laughs> but, but neither here nor there. That'll be exciting to do uh Sunday afternoon. And we got yeah, week one. Um it's, it's always an interesting week, week one. Because, uh, you know, what I, my stance on week one is always that we think we know more than we do, right? We, when it all comes together, everyone's, you know, writing their articles, reading their articles, watching shows. We always have like so much certainty 
leading into week one. And I remember week one last year, I felt, you know, like, yeah, I really know what's going on. Started looking at projections and the guy was like popping in my, you know, in the optimal lineups was Greg Dorch. <laughs> and it's like, I've never even heard of this guy. <laughs> he actually had a good game week one too, didn't he? I was like three of the first four weeks. It was early in the season was when he was really hitting last year too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's week one's funny. I think, you know, we, we have the Oracle in the scroll each week at one week season where we have like five of the strategy questions for the week. And one of the, one of the questions this week was, about you know how we handle the uncertainty of week one and one of the things that i said was my strengths as a dfs player is balancing my understanding of strategy and theory with how well i know the teams and players and coaches so i've actually had to realize that my edge my greatest edge starts to kick in around the weeks three and four and my best weeks are typically week six onward whereas a lot of sharp dfs players weeks one two are their best weeks because they're able to blend the strategy so i have to like kind of let go of some of my tendency to lean on my NFL knowledge in the early season because there's a little bit less of that to go on. And obviously like I know these teams and players better than most people, probably better than most content providers, but still significantly less well than I'll know them in week six, because there's things that I think I know that it will turn out. I don't know. There are things that I think based on what I've been hearing, what I've been seeing that I'll be wrong on. So yeah, it's a very interesting week. Yeah. It's, it's funny. We've been doing this so long that we have like season curves, right? Like I, I have the same same feeling. Actually, my like strongest season curve, I think, is basketball, where oh, I start off really hot, and then you know, basketball is a grind. And by the end of by March, you've got to be pretty committed to basketball and still be playing DFS basketball. But yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting how the the season can tend to unfold the, the same way, you know, as a DFS player year after year. Yeah. So one thing we we did agree on, we were going to do uh, hot takes at the start of each show. And by, by we agree, I mean Devin told us. We're going to do hot takes <laughs> at the start of each show. Uh, so what, you know, do you have any, any really strong, uh, you know, hot takes to, to lead us into week one? Yeah, I'll, I'm going to throw, uh, I, I have several, but I'll, I'll throw one your way. And this is one of my favorite players of week one. And this is a guy who rushed for 1400 yards last year. He rushed for 13 touchdowns. He had three games of 30 plus points. Compare that to Josh Jacobs, who had, I believe it was four games of 30 plus points. He is 5,600 and nobody's going to want to roster him. And that's Miles Sanders, who is coming off of being uh, in a rotation with Philadelphia because that's how they like to run their backfield and is now going to be the lead dog in Carolina. Some people have this perception that he's not the lead dog, that maybe Chuba Hubbard and him are splitting snaps. Like Miles Sanders is so much better than Chuba Hubbard. It's not even funny. Uh, worst case is he gets this 16 to 18 touch range that Javante Williams, Raheem Mostert, Khalil Herbert, all these guys price random will get. He has just as much opportunity to hit for a big game on those touches. Best case, he gets these 22 to 24 touches that you're really paying 2K, 2,500 more for, for other backs. So uh, yeah, a guy I'll be heavy on this week that is coming in with super low ownership projections. Miles Sanders, I think he could be one of the stories of week one. Interesting. So yeah, um, you know, that, that could be the, uh, the winning ticket. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of, of tickets, a, a word from one of our sponsors. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster has got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. 
find tickets today at ticketmaster.com slash NFL. Man, uh, I, uh, I don't get part of the ad revenue because I'm not at Roto Grinders, but I kind of want to do one of these one of these ad reads. That's pretty um, that's a blast. <laughs> that was that was awesome. <laughs> so so yeah, Miles Sanders. When you started off with like 1,400 yards, I was thinking like Derrick Henry. You're like yeah, 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 a lot of ownership. I was like, oh man, yeah, Miles, that that is wild. Um, I, I think Miles Sanders. Yeah, he's gonna be he is gonna be low owned, and there is I think there's an expectation maybe more than anything else that Carolina, you know, is maybe not the dumpster fire they started off last season as, um, but that they're, you know, they, you know they've got a, a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think I saw right before we came on that DJ Shark is out, you know, so that the receiving options might already, already be whittling down. That's maybe a good thing for Miles Sanders. Um, and I agree. I, I mean, they just signed him, you know, to a relatively big contract, I think, for a, for a running back. And was one of the the um, you know free agents you know that, that switch teams in the off season, so there there had to be something that I like there. Uh, so for for my hot take, I always have a hot, hard time with these things because I never know like what's too hot. I gotta say something <laughs> that I think might not happen but could. Um, so I'm gonna try to be directionally accurate with this one uh, because I think this week really shapes up as a week that reminds me a lot of week two last year. So. My hot take, I think the Washington Commanders defense will be the lowest scoring defense Ooh. Uh, on the slate this week. Lowest scoring out of all the defenses. Yes. Might be too hot. <laughs> I mean, but, even if they're even if they're middle of the pack at like and they're right now they're coming in at like highest owned play on the entire slate. And and yeah, I mean it, the, the thing is we over the, the commanders are seven point favorites. That's not like they're not 19 point favorites, you know. It's not like Josh Dobbs can't throw a pass and he's had two starts in these like five years in the NFL. He's not topped 200 yards. Like they're going to just throw short passes to Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch. They're going to try to limit opportunities for mistakes. So yeah, like they might not score a lot of points, but the chances of sacks and turnovers aren't super high in my opinion. Right. That's, that's basically where I'm going with this is that, I mean, Arizona knows they're going to be pretty limited. So yeah, they're, they're not going to be throwing bombs downfield. They're not going to necessarily be dropping back, you know, these long dropbacks that could lead to sacks. Uh, so if Washington doesn't get sacks, doesn't get turnovers, they're not getting defensive fantasy points. Like they could have an excellent defensive game. You know, they could win, you know, you know 28-7. Um, they could actually blow them out way more than the spread indicates and still not have a very good you know, high-scoring fantasy defense. Uh, it reminds me of week two last year where the Cincinnati defense saw, like, record-high ownership because um, Cooper Rush was was starting back, got injured <laughs> week one. And Cooper Rush had a Rush went game. in. And then, yeah, the Cincinnati defense ended up, you know, being 40% owned, which I think was just inexcusable in the in the large field tournaments and and even in single entry. I um, mean, I think you can get – you're going to, you know, you're going to get way different than a big percentage of the field this week if you just don't take the Washington Commanders defense. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, fundamentally, obviously, we, we discovered last year that get you and me on air, we're going to kind of talk about the slate as a whole. But fundamentally, this is a single entry show. And so pulling it back to that, I think that for me, you know, Miles Sanders is very much in the mix for me in single entry and not playing the Washington defense is very much in the mix for me. And in terms of leverage, you can also not play the Washington defense and then also play the Washington passing attack. Or even better, people aren't going to go to the Washington backfield. I think that's an interesting spot. Um, it would have to be larger field 
single entry for that for me. But um, yeah, I think there's some interesting ways to go with with just those two hot takes that I think it's week one, right? So it's almost like they're hot takes because it's not what people are thinking. But then if you zoom out and look at it logically, they're not really that hot of takes, you know, like yours is a scorching hot take, but then it's like, oh, but is it really, you know? And, and I think that's kind of one of the keys to week one is the, we know so little. And so typically the spots where we have concentrated certainty, is, the field is going to be wrong there just because the certainty isn't as high. And, you know, Washington could have a, a pick six on the first play of the game, you know, but, but if we're saying, if we play out this slate a hundred times, Washington's not going to be the highest scoring defense 30% of the time, and they could be 30% owned. You know, they'd probably be highest scoring defense five to 10% of the time, maybe 8% of the time, somewhere in that range, uh, maybe less, right? Because again, not a lot of op- opportunities for sacks and, and turnovers uh, just based on how Arizona is likely to call this game. Right. So yeah, 26 teams in play. Um, so the you know, average defense it w- would be, would be optimal you know, well, yeah. <laughs> or so, or a little bit less. Um, and I, yeah, well, maybe Washington has twice the chance of, you know, miss that's still 7% or so. Um, and I, yeah, I think they're going to see 30% ownership, but particularly on DraftKings, where they're one of the cheaper defenses. I think on FanDuel, they're one of the more expensive. I think they're the second most expensive defense. Um, but so I think the ownership could get extreme on DraftKings, maybe a little bit more muted on, on FanDuel. But like we kind of talked about last season, like defensive scoring could just be so random. Yeah. You know, I think you mentioned the idea of like, it's like almost like you roll dice at the end, you know, at the end of your lineup and get a random, you know, numerical score that's generally somewhere between negative one and, and you know, <laughs> 20 something. Yeah. Right? Um, but, it, but if, if, you know, 30% of the field is, is taking the same roll of the dice, I guess I, you know, I just want to be on any other roll of the dice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I'll definitely be significantly underweight uh, on the Washington defense. This week, this is kind of a weird direction to go next, but like really quickly, is there uh, like two or three defenses that are standing out to you? I think so. We have a number of quarterbacks that are making their their NFL debut, and that's yeah. that's something I always have you know interest in. Um, I think so. Atlanta defense um, is a, a defense that I'm interested in, and actually, I think it's an interesting pairing with B. John Robinson, who is maybe a little bit too expensive on DraftKings, but I, I don't think he's going to see that much ownership. On FanDuel is actually less expensive and potentially like better scoring on FanDuel if he's not catching a ton of passes, which you know, we don't know how much Atlanta is going to throw. Uh, so I think like the Atlanta defense paired with B. John Robinson, particularly on FanDuel, uh, where it's a little bit more affordable. Uh, and then, yeah, the Baltimore defense, you'll have to pay up for them. But uh, again, you know, facing a, a de- debuting quarterback in Baltimore if both those teams are playing at home I guess the last quarterback that's making his debut I think is uh, Anthony Richardson I'm not as interested in the Jacksonville defense one they're they're on the road um two actually like Anthony Richardson even in a uh, single entry format I like I like him for the rushing upside yeah I think he's gonna be one of the lower owned quarterbacks I'm interested in for like single entry that I have enough interest in him that might make it on some of my single single entry rosters uh, but yeah, I think uh, Anthony Richardson's somebody I'm interested in, and yeah, I'm not as interested in. That. I think that swings us over to to quarterback, which is where people would have expected us to go next. And uh, we, one of the things that's interesting about Anthony Richardson is we can keep in mind that Shane Steichen, you know, new head coach for the Colts, he was there Justin Herbert's rookie year. He was in Philly with Jalen Hurts, his rookie year, his first start, and so this is this is not new to him to be taking on this young quarterback and calling their first game. 
And one of the things that he talked about was that what he tries to do with these young guys is make sure that the entire game plan is stuff that they feel comfortable with. And so there's such a learning curve to be an NFL quarterback. So rather than expecting, putting them in a position like, hey, let's have them grow in this game, you know, give them some stuff they're uncomfortable with. It's like, it's like, what is everything that he has down pat? What is everything that he's able to execute at a high level right now? And then each week we'll kind of keep building onto that game plan. Because right now there's no film on this Colts offense. There's no film on Anthony Richardson. There's no drawback to having a third of their playbook available to them. And then next week it becomes... 38% of the playbook next week, 44%, right? And they just keep growing and adding new things. And so from that standpoint, I expect Shane Steichen to call a game that very much fits Anthony Richardson's comfort level right now. And his skill set, his skill set is this potential to have a hundred yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And so, yeah, I think that Anthony Richardson, he's one of uh, maybe one of four quarterbacks that I'm really leaning toward in single entry. Uh, the others being Jalen Hurts, uh, and then Sam Howell and, and Russell Wilson, a little bit more off the board, I guess, on Sam Howell. But uh, yeah, those are the guys who I, I like in single entry. Anthony Richardson's definitely in that mix for me. Interesting. I, so Anthony Richardson's probably our, our only overlap there. I, I do like the idea, um, you know, Jalen Hurts is probably not going to see a lot of ownership. And it, it, this could be one of those weeks where, you know, the Eagles just put up a lot of points. I mean, it was a tremendous offense last year. Um, it's just, yeah, he's not going to project that well because the Eagles don't project to score that many points. Um, they're on the road. It's not a great matchup. But I think we saw with Lamar Jackson a couple of times last season where he wasn't supposed to be high-owned because the uh, Ravens weren't supposed to score a ton of points. And then, well, he gets, you know, gets 80 rushing yards and, and two touchdowns or, you know, whatever, the, you know, puts up strong running numbers along with good passing numbers. And then that's suddenly a quarterback that, the borders on you had had to have him. Um, I so I'm I think how I'm interested to see what his ownership is because he's really cheap on DraftKings. Um, somebody else that I like at that exact same price on DraftKings uh, is probably my other maybe off the board quarterback that I like is Baker Mayfield. Yeah, uh, I like him a lot too. Yeah, I've, I've heard him talked up a little bit, so he may end up getting higher ownership than we're expecting. Uh, but he's in a much better position than he's been in in, in his, some of his previous spots. I mean, last year he was on Carolina when Carolina wasn't good, and then you know joined the Rams um, when the Rams were no longer good. <laughs> uh, so you know that was those were two I think difficult spots for him. You know, obviously his, his stay in Cleveland didn't end well, but I think that his last year in Cleveland, I think he was probably more injured than uh, than people were thinking, and then management went out and, and yeah, talked, yeah. Talked um, so I think, you know, with, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, you know, even like some Kate Otten, like that's a much better spot than, and, and just the game environment, you know, they're playing in Minnesota that's inside the dome. Minnesota gave up a ton of passing yards last season. So Baker Mayfield's a, a quarterback. I, I have some interest in. Yeah, no, I like that call a lot. Um, you know, with Washington, there's, uh, I, I dive into this. I had a podcast that was kind of replaced the angles podcast. It's on the one week season podcast feed. It was called the week one special. And I went game by game. And there's some angles where just a lot of things with the team that I, they're one of the, Washington's one of the few teams that I could see being up 24, nothing and still passing the ball. So I think that it's an interesting spot um, given all the things that I'm kind of seeing there. Totally agree on Baker Mayfield. One of the things I want to bring up real quickly on um, this perception of the match against the Patriots being bad. Um, 
Patriots allowed 37 points to the Ravens last year, running quarterback. They allowed 27 points to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, 33 points to the Bears, running quarterback in fields, 33 points to the Vikings, uh, 24 and 35 points to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, 30 points to the Raiders. And the Patriots defense, what they do well, you know, third in the NFL in sacks last year, um, near the top of the league in turnovers, top of the league in defensive touchdowns. Like they're very aggressive. But that aggressiveness, especially with their tendency toward man coverage and blitz, really opens things up for running quarterbacks and opens things up for players like Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, who can beat man coverage. So the Patriots are, you know, the old Patriots were so interested in preventing points. It was like, make you march the field, wait for you to make a mistake. The new Patriots with Mayo and Steve Belichick, it's very much like we're going to try to force you into mistakes. And you might get some big plays, but we're also going to force some turnovers, give our offense some short fields. So they're less interested in point prevention and more interested in like that those punches and counter punches sort of back and forth. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just a spot where I think that's going to be the perception is like, well, the total's kind of low and, but it's week one, right? Totals don't mean as much. We know so much less than we will deeper into the season. So yeah, I think it's a very interesting spot. And, and because I think these thoughts will lead to Hertz being lower owned than he normally would be. Uh, it becomes very interesting in, in single entry play. So I did want to kind of toss that, those thoughts your way, just for you to loop into your own play and, and for the audience to have like that angle to think about there. Yeah, no, I mean that that's a pretty compelling argument to to be putting in some Jalen Hurts because we, we know what he <laughs> we know what he can do. Um and, and I think one thing you guys referenced in in your write-up for one week season is that people maybe underestimate how good the Eagles offense was last season because they yeah. were up so much in the second half of games that you know they they would take the the foot off the gas, sometimes even take the players out of the game. Um and so you like, what if they're pressed to keep going all four quarters uh, against the defense that maybe, yeah, where maybe the perception is that they're not, you know, that they're better than they really are. Um, so one last quarterback I, I want to touch on um, just because I, I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to be fairly highly owned, but I think it's somewhat warranted is Justin Herbert, um, you know, just playing in the highest you know, point total game of the week. Um, you know, that's definitely a game stack I'm going to have some interest in uh, just in case that game kind of you know blows out or blows over the the total in the, in the afternoon games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that game is, uh, I have to be aware that my personality is to be like automatically biased against whatever is the most popular play on the slate. Like that's just the way my mind works. Right. So then I have to be like, Oh, well, let me force myself to see the positives, but it is also very easy for me to see the, the negatives in that game. I mean, a, a 51 point total is great, but that implies a 27 to 24 point score. That's actually the implied score right now. Uh, and at the price tags on these guys, you need each team to be scoring four touchdowns. So you're still betting on an outlier for this game. And I think a lot of people will just look at that highest total and, and go toward it. So it very like, it is not difficult to paint the picture of each team scoring four touchdowns, but I do think that like, not you, but like the typical DFS player, the typical viewer on here also has to be aware, like, oh, this does have to go to four plus touchdowns, right? Like it has to hit that level. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people won't be thinking of. And they'll just be like, well, let me just plug in these plays because it, it feels most comfortable. So yeah, I'll have that game. I'm actually going to avoid it in single entry just because I think it's going to be so popular. Um, and I think there are other places to go, but it won't surprise me if like I come out of week one and lost money because I didn't have that in single entry, you know, like that won't be a surprise to me at all. Just one thing I'm, I'm thinking is that it is week one, and that tends to be a little bit of a softer week in terms of DFS players, right? A lot of people are playing football for DFS, you know, for the first time week one. And I wonder if they, you know, 
people that aren't using projections. I mean, that's less and less of the DFS crowd, but maybe they're not using projections. And so maybe they're not on this game as much as they should be. Uh, and maybe they're just plugging in the commander's defense. Like we kind of talked about last year that what can make single entry so appealing is so many people are just plugging in a cash lineup and they're not yeah. stacking yeah. and they're, you know, they're just going with the chalkiest defense. You know, everyone's going to click on the, the Washington defense. If you take that stack that is just projected to be, you know, in the, the highest scoring game and just make sure it's a stack, you know, make sure it's a game stack and just make sure your de- defense is a little different, that that might be different enough for a single entry where a lot of people are just putting in their cash lineups. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely uh, like nothing against the game. You know what I mean? I, I think the the both defenses are really good. And now Vic Fangio's with Miami, like there's potential for it to be, you know, again, even a 27 to 24 game kind of hurts everybody who, who pay the price tags. But like I said, it's not going to surprise me if, if the reason I don't make money in week one and, and, you know, like, we're looking at all of this as building up sample sizes, right? So it's like, I won't be disappointed if I don't make money in week one, as long as I know that I was positioning myself to make money if we could play out this same slate a hundred times. Uh, so one of the stances I'll be taking in kind of tighter builds is staying away from that game. But that's not to say that the game can't hit. It's just like, here's one of the paths that I see to making money on this week. And if this is a week where that game goes off, then, you know, hopefully one of my, one of my large field rosters built around that game. Cause I'll have like, that's the thing with that game is I want to be either all in or not on it. Right. And so uh, I'll have some large field rosters that go all in on that game. And hopefully those make up for whatever I lose in, in tighter builds. If that game goes off. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sure. Uh, so just a couple of other games I wanted to, to touch on. Um, one is, is one that has kind of surprisingly high total uh, at least to me, and oh, maybe even just the spread's a little bit tighter than I would have thought, but the, the Rams in Seattle, um, you know, especially with Cooper Cup being out now, um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking of the Rams just like last season and almost like expecting them to have a, you know, 17 or 18 point implied total. It's actually 21, um, I think just a four and a half point spread with uh, with Seattle. And 
I think there's going to be some pieces from that game that are popular, like Kenneth Walker, I think will be somewhat popular at running back on DraftKings. Um, but, you know, I think there's some workload concerns there. And there's a, a thought that maybe, you know, maybe Seattle just runs away with this game. Yeah, I, I knew that the total had dropped. I thought it had dropped more. It's still at 46 and a five-point spread. So um, Rams implied for 20.5. Yeah, I, I you know, that's a game that I'll have a little bit of Puka Nakua. I don't go to Tyler Higby at high ownership. Um, I, I literally, outside of a little bit of Puka Nakua in large field, I might have 0% ownership. Because I'm with you on, like, like Kenneth Walker is an excellent real-life NFL back. But if you look through his game logs, he had a couple 30-point games pretty early in the season last year, and that stuck that in everyone's minds of like, ooh, I got to be here for the next 30-pointer. The rest of the season was sub-20, like consistently, 16, 17, 18 points. Um, excellent player, but not like an excellent DFS producer. They don't throw the ball to running backs a ton. And then he's coming off a lot of missed time in camp, and, and now they have Charbonnet, who they really like, and, and they were developing him. Like I, I don't see Kenneth Walker getting 24 touches, right? And then going the, with the exception of like five games at the start of the 2021 season, when Pete Carroll experimented with this Ru let Russ cook offense outside of that very small stretch, the entire Pete Carroll era, you never, ever, 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 ever want to play the Seattle passing attack unless you expect the opponent to be pushing things on the scoreboard. Every big game from the Seattle passing attack comes from the opponent pushing things on the scoreboard. And so, you know, DK Metcalf had one useful game last year at his price tag. Tyler Lockett had two useful games last year at his price tag. And um, I think the people will still kind of go there. And, and so, and I know Kenneth Walker currently is projecting for high ownership. Um, and yeah, the Rams, I just don't, I think Seattle has Super Bowl aspirations. You know, they think that they're one of the two or three best teams in the NFC. The Rams don't have an offensive line. They don't have wide receivers, you know, like, Van Jefferson is a borderline number three wide receiver on other teams. And he's their number one this week. You know, it's like, um, I, I just don't, yeah, I don't see much opportunity to the upside in that game. And kudos to anybody who, who goes in on that game and, you know, makes a bunch of money this week because they were right. But um, I think it's a pretty slim paths to that game shooting out. I'm surprised the total still where it is. Yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, I have some interest maybe in the Rams side, like Cam Akers and and uh, Tutu Atwell, that's maybe more price considered, right? Than than actually like they they might be a piece that makes everything else fit. Uh, and I I don't know how much success the the Rams passing offense is going to get. So maybe Akers is is getting you know a little bit more usage, which is good good at his price. Um, but yeah, that's a game I'm, I'm surprised the, the point total is so high. But yeah, maybe we're regretting that uh, at this time next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a, a game, one of the early games I want to touch on, um, uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati is a game that I think I'm going to be having some game stacks of. I don't know if those game stacks will have Joe Burrow, uh, but I you know outside of game stacks, I'm not sure if there's pieces that fit uh, on on some of my other rosters. Yeah, that's how I'm seeing it too. And I I'm, I gave a preliminary look at ownership projections last night, actually just making sure that everything was up and running correctly on the site and kind of was like, Oh, let me see what these show. And Jamar Chase was showing relatively high. Again, it's still early in the week for, for that to be totally accurate. But I just love seeing that because it's like, it's hard for me to see Chase having a tournament winning game independent of the game environment as a whole doing really well. And I think there'll be a lot of one-off Chase exposure that if he misses, he misses for everybody. If he hits he hits for those people as a one-off piece 
but he's hitting for my rosters that are stacking up that game and taking advantage of all the, the pieces that are then benefiting as a result. So yeah, I, I have a hard time at the price tags seeing this game. Now the Brown side is different because Amari is underpriced and uh, Elijah Moore might be underpriced. David Njoku is underpriced for his ceiling, not underpriced for his typical range, but underpriced for his ceiling. Like, so the Brown side, I can see playing a few of those pieces independent of game environment, but the, the Bengal side, uh, it's going to be totally like, they're going to be on rosters for me built around that game or not at all. And that, that game's interesting because I mean, Burrow's one and four against the Browns and he struggled against this pass rush, this defense. Now they've added Zadarius Smith. They've added Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator, which is a big upgrade for them. They've added one Thornhill at safety. He was a really good player. Uh, Denzel Ward is in concussion protocol. So probably going to miss this game lightens up the matchup a little bit, but could be a low scoring game. But at the same time, if Deshaun Watson bounces back and looks like Deshaun Watson, he's got all these weapons. We know how good Burrow and Chase are. Another year of improvement. Like, it's going to be a competitive game. It won't surprise me if it's low scoring. It won't surprise me if it's high scoring. So, yeah, it's one of those where I'm going to build some rosters around this game. I wouldn't argue against anybody who wanted to build these in single entry. I don't think I'll be going there myself in single entry or tighter builds. But, yeah, I'm going to have like 10% of my rosters in large field will be built around this game. That's, that's about how I feel. Uh, it was, it's interesting. At, at Roto-Grinders, we have a, an optimal stacks tool that I think is new this year. Uh, but, you know, I'm writing an article based off of that. And I, I was actually surprised that they were showing, um, you know, Deshaun Watson as probably the highest owned quarterback on FanDuel, which I, I don't know if that'll end up playing out that way. You know, but my, my commentary on that was that I I have interest in Deshaun, a Deshaun Watson, Jamar Chase pairing, right? Like if if Chase gets three touchdowns, and Deshaun Watson is getting, you know, a rushing touchdown, then that's possibly an optimal stack. Uh, and that I can see the game. That's That seems like a plausible way for that game to, to play out. Or maybe Chase is getting a you know, double-digit receptions game with two touchdowns or 100 yards, but he's the primary cog of the Cincinnati offense, and so you don't need Joe Burrow to pair with him. You just need Jamar Chase. And then you can take, like, a rushing quarterback getting some rushing yards like Deshaun Watson, and that that – kind of, uh, you know, pairs well together where they, maybe both teams are pushing each other a little bit. Uh, but I don't know that like having Deshaun Watson in in games outside of a game stack makes sense on on either site, on FanDuel or DraftKings. Yeah, and I like that, uh, that thought of, uh, I love doing that where if Chase hits, Burrow is probably hitting as well. But if Burrow's hitting, then Deshaun Watson's probably hitting as well. And then he's getting more rushing yards. So he might have the higher upside, right? So it's like, you, you recognize that you really only want to play Chase with his quarterback, but then you recognize that actually means you might be even better at playing with the other team's quarterback in this situation, which is a more unique way to put it together. You know, it's similar to, I think, Anthony Richardson and Calvin Ridley becomes a lot more interesting this week than Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley because in order for Calvin Ridley to – I mean, he's underpriced by about 1K from where he'll probably be in a, in a month. But, like, in order for him to really prove that this week – he might need the Colts putting up points. And if the Colts are putting up points, it's coming through Anthony Richardson and, and like his points are more valuable with his rushing and all that, especially at his price tag than Trevor Lawrence, um, who's going to pick up, you know, 20, 30 yards on the ground, but most of that's going to come through the air. So yeah, I love, I love that little game right there where it's like, okay, yeah, I want this guy. And that means his quarterback is hitting, but if his quarterback's hitting the other quarterback's probably hitting two and is more valuable. I, yeah, I think that's a great call. So, I, like I said, I, I have some interest in Anthony Richardson, and that that makes sense. That if 
uh, if Calvin Ridley's having a great game, that means, you know, maybe Richardson's having to press it a little bit more. Uh, just on the topic of wide receivers, do you, like, how do you differentiate the top three? Because I think the top three this week, you know, at least by projections are Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase, uh, which I guess if you had to pick one of those guys as a one-off, you know, for your rosters, like, which are you most interested in outside of game stuff? Uh, yeah, it would go in order Jefferson, then Hill, then Chase. Like Jefferson, I mean, what did Jefferson put up nine games last year of like 28 and a half or more points on DraftKings? And Kirk Cousins had maybe one useful week at his salary. It's just like, like he's so central to that offense that him hitting doesn't mean Kirk Cousins is a like Jefferson can be a tournament winning piece and Kirk Cousins isn't. And that's the way it typically falls out. Um, Tyreek Hill is more dependent on the game environment than Justin Jefferson is. So he's down a notch for me. Uh, I like him more in stacks of that game. He's one piece from that game that I could have a little bit of outside of that game. And then Chase for me is very much restricted to that game environment. Like I'll have more Devontae Adams than I'll have of Jamar Chase. I'll actually have more Devontae Adams than I'll have of Tyreek Hill too, because Tyreek Hill will mostly be married to that stack for me. And Devontae Adams has same upside same consistency in terms of hitting that upside, actually higher consistency last year, but obviously, you know, had Derek Carr and the familiarity there, we don't know yet with Jimmy Garoppolo, but, um, but then much lower ownership. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like Jefferson's kind of clear of those top three. What are, what are your thoughts on those, on those three? So, yeah, I had it like with Hill and Justin Jefferson, very close. Um, they might be two of my higher owned receivers this week, just because I, I really like both of those games. Like if I'm using a game stack from one of those games, it's, it's probably going to have, you know, one of those receivers on it. Um, I had Hill a little bit ahead of Justin Jefferson, but it, it's pretty close. It's almost like impossible to tell. Um, yeah. And then, but I did have like Jamar Chase just a little bit behind those two. I think the Devontae Adams call is interesting. Like I'm just, you know, looking at some projections and I've got uh, Keenan Allen just a little bit ahead of, of Devontae Adams, but like, I agree. I'd much rather play. Adams than, than Allen. So I think Adams probably falls like fourth at, right after those, those top three. And then like Keenan Allen, like you, you wrote up, uh, he just rarely pays off his, like he's, he's always going to get some receptions. He rarely pays off his price tag in tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I, and this is like the rare week where I could actually play Keenan Allen in tournaments, but it'll be in total game stacks there. Like it won't be Keenan Allen as a one-off because again, it feels awesome to everybody when, when they roster when he gets 20 points, but then he's never on that tournament winning roster because at 7,300, those 20 points feel good, but they're not, they're just not enough. And you kind of, he has so few paths to those 35 pointers that that roster spot and that salary is now, you know, taken away from your opportunity to get one of those. So um, yeah, really, I mean, AJ Brown obviously is interesting to me as a stacking partner with Jalen Hurts, who nobody will be on AJ Brown, but like those, those top four guys, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson are very clearly in a tier well above all the guys priced right below them, you know, in terms of how frequently they can hit 30 pointers, you know, their opportunities for a 40 point type game is so much higher than these, these guys priced below them. And not to say that maybe Jalen Waddle doesn't hit a 40 pointer this week or Devontae Smith doesn't hit a 40 pointer, but it's just like, that's more of an outlier. Whereas these top four guys, like I'd rather carve out the extra salary to get up to these guys, as opposed to fishing down in like the seven K range for sure. All right. So, uh, you know, kind of running short on time. Any any final thoughts for the week? Uh, no, I mean, I think one of the things I mean, yes, there are some final thoughts. I think, uh, uh, you know, 
we've been talking about this Vikings Bucks game. I think Mike Evans is very interesting. Chris Godwin has a tougher matchup in the slot, uh, and nobody's going to be looking at, at Mike Evans. Chris Godwin's going to be more popular for whatever reason. So I think that's a very interesting uh, spot to consider. And then I think paying attention to just who is priced a lot lower than they will be in a month, you know? So that's Debo Samuel, it's Chris Olave, it's Calvin Ridley, it's Amari Cooper. Some of these guys who are just a little bit mispriced and maybe this isn't the spot where they hit, but just being able to be aware of those misprices and, and try to take advantage of them. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, I guess that wraps up my thoughts. I think, you know, it's easy for any of you watching. It's easy to be excited about week one and then over commit uh, to week one in terms of bankroll. And I would say that the sharpest DFS players have an edge on week one. And even some of the sharpest DFS players don't because if their edge is something different, like, like I said, my edge is this blend of how well I know the teams and how well I understand DFS. And I like can overrate my knowledge of the teams early in the season. So be aware of like where your edge is as a player and whether or not week one falls into the bucket of your edge and be smart with your bankroll on this week. Cause a lot of times people will they'll blow, you know, two X, three X, their typical buy-in because they're excited about week one. And it's actually maybe a worse week for them. So uh, yeah, important to be aware of that as well. Yeah, no, I I think that's great advice. It is. It's, it's so tempting, um, you know, to just think, well, this is going to be the softest week of the season. And it, it, like, you might be part of that softness, (laughs) right? You might be the nail, not the hammer. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I think that's good, good advice for week one. Um, that just about wraps it up for uh, week one of Solo Ship. Good luck to everybody on Sunday, and we'll see you next week.